Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Star Blades. After being Warnocked in midweek, Sheffield United are off to the South Coast this weekend to take on early pace setters Bournemouth, one of just two sides in the league still unbeaten. James, let's dwell on Middlesbrough in a moment, but George Baldock claims this this will be a statement victory. Do you agree? Yeah, of course it will be. Of course it will be. Uh, becoming the first team to to beat AFC Bournemouth in the Championship this season. Uh, I don't just think it's uh, a statement victory, though. In fact, I think making a statement to everybody else is probably the uh, the least important thing about this weekend's game. I think they're 10 points. Sheffield United are 10 points behind Bournemouth. Bournemouth are one of the teams that they uh, are going to hope to be challenging for a place in the in the top two this season. Bournemouth are already in the uh, in the top two. So it's not really about making a statement. I think it's about proving something to themselves and eating into that eating into that gap. Danny, do you think Bournemouth have got a case to potentially present themselves as, as the best team in the league? Well, the um the table doesn't lie, does it, as they always say. Uh, they certainly look like they are well up there uh, with West Brom. I know they missed a chance to go back top on uh, what day, what Wednesday evening, didn't they? Uh, by not beating Peterborough. Um, but yes, the other results, I mean, having not been beaten so far, they're certainly making a case for that, aren't they? Um, but as George has quite rightly said this morning, as James said there, you know, what better way to go and kind of make a statement of your, your own promotion credentials than, than beating the, the top dogs? So, like I say, it's another chance as well to claw back some points. Uh, you know, there were chances, you know, the season's only 10 games in, isn't there? So there's, there's plenty of chances to go and claw back those points. But, you know, this is a very early chance to go and, you know, put three on your own and take three off them. So, yeah, it'll be a good test, I think, of where United are in terms of, you know, their own kind of promotion uh, ambitions and credentials, how good they are compared to the, the top teams. You know, they've played one already in West Brom and we all know how that went. So this will be another chance to uh, to kind of show how much they've, they've improved since then, which, uh, which I think they have. You know, they have improved since then, I think, uh, and they had to. So I think this will be a, another good chance to go down there and uh, and say, you know, we are we are going to be in the mix. Don't don't forget about us. James, are you confident that Tuesday was just a blip? Listen, do you, do you know what? This, this is one thing that <laughs> I'm going to go into uh, miserable old man mode again here now. But th this is one thing that I think. I'm not talking about Sheffield, well, I'm talking about Sheffield United here, but football in general has got to get away from. Do you, do you know what? Whether we like it or not, if you play football and you play it for long enough, you play it in the Championship, you play it in the Premier League, whatever, you are going to get beat at some point. You are going to lose. And Sheffield United went into that game in a good run of form uh, they went into that game having made significant improvements since the last international break, not only in terms of results, but also in terms of performances. And listen, they lost the game, but it doesn't mean to say that we have to do this huge, great inquest into why they got beat, what happened, what's wrong. You know, football team gets beaten in the championship. Shock horror. That's, that, that's not saying that you know, anybody likes to get beat or that's not saying that you've got to just shrug your shoulders and not care too much whenever you do lose a game of football. But it will happen. And it doesn't necessarily mean to say 
sort of the inference being that, you know, what was it just a blip? It's like, well, hopefully it will be. But it doesn't mean to say that anything is systemically wrong at a football club just because they've lost a game. And we've seen the type of atmosphere that this can create at places like, you know, even Arsenal, Manchester United, where they win one game of football, suddenly, you know, Sir Alex Ferguson's record is going to look like small beer compared to what Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is going to do and Mikel Arteta is going to be the next Arsene Wenger. Then they lose one. And Solskjaer couldn't tie his own laces, let alone manage a football team. And Mikel Arteta is, you know, well, <laughs> you know, probably shouldn't even be given the job of, of coaching Arsenal's under-9s team, let alone the first team. So, you know, consistency is important here. Just maintaining a sort of level, looking at possibly what they didn't do right against Middlesbrough. And there were a few things that they didn't do right. Yes, we know that. And, you know, I think to some extent, Middlesbrough did do a job on them. I think Neil Warnock took them by surprise with the way they set up. I think Middlesbrough were, were physically stronger. But Sheffield United, as, as disappointing as they were in that one-off game, as I said, they went into it in good form. They went into it playing well. They went into it looking like the team that we all thought they would be under Slavisa Ikanovic. So it doesn't have to be this sort of great moment of doom and gloom and something that proves that something isn't right at the football club. Absolute rubbish. Don't believe that for a minute. Listen, if we're still sat here six weeks after the international break doing one of these podcasts and Sheffield United haven't won a game during the intervening period, then that might change. You know, we might have to start asking different questions. But, you know, no, at the moment, I think things are ticking along quite nicely. And like I said, that's probably not going to... In a division as unpredictable as this, everybody talks about that. Everybody accepts that. Everybody recognises that. And yet nobody seems to recognise that, you know, and I'm including people in my profession as well when, I, when I'm saying this. This isn't a blaming fans thing because I don't blame football fans for anything. You know, and, and by and large, football fans are a pretty intelligent bunch. They they watch as much football as a, as a professional footballer manager, uh, you know, do. They know what they can see, but it, it doesn't have to mean that something's terribly wrong or, oh, blimey, God, what, what's happening? They're not over this. They're not over that. They're not doing... They've lost a game of football. Big deal. I think that might be a new record for a grumpy old man. <laughs> <laughs> third, third minute of the podcast. Four, four minutes long. Thinking, what are you saying that, James? You're absolutely spot on. Do you think it's a, a generational thing? Because I think, you know, with the social media and everything seems to be... The extremes of everything's either absolutely brilliant or everything's absolutely the other way. Do you think that's a kind of generational thing? Because I don't remember this being, you know, when I started following football and stuff, obviously social media went around, but there didn't seem to be this kind of extremes in fans' views. Do you think that's a kind of just a sign of the times almost? Yeah, I think that's a little bit of it. And do you know what? The other interesting thing is it, it when you look at, and this is relevant to Sheffield United as well, is how people, I think, consider relegation these days. And it does colour, and certainly in Sheffield United's case, it did colour how they started this season. Because, yes, relegation, and anybody's going to be disappointed when they get relegated. But now, if a team's relegated, it, it's painted as this sort of, you know, huge crisis and, you know, the football club's going to be teetering on the brink and, my God, you know, what what's going to happen and... and these people can't play and we need to tear this all up and start again. 
I think relegation was accepted. Not accepted, that's probably the wrong word. I think it was recognised, you know, possibly even up to 15, 20 years ago, that, you know, unfortunately every season, in most of the divisions, three teams are going to get relegated every year. Mm -hmm. And what you would do is you you would look to bounce back. I think the, the money that's come into the game has coloured the whole debate around it as well, because there's no doubt relegation does hit clubs harder now than it, than it possibly did, you know, a quarter of a century ago, although it still hit them pretty hard then, and they managed to sort of maintain some sort of emotional and psychological level. It was it was all relative. Uh, and I think the other thing is, and I think it's just a, almost an accidental byproduct of the way that the game's covered now. Uh, and that is, it's a great thing. You know, we were talking about this on Tuesday, weren't we, even before the game against Middlesbrough, Danny? And, I, you know, the, the, the pre- and post-match analysis now goes into such huge detail, and it is, it's brilliant to watch. I'm glad it's like that. It's moved on light years in the space of five years. But because it is analysed so forensically now, I think any goal, any goal conceded is almost, you know, it, it creates the impression it's it's the result of some, you know, big defensive error or some player has committed an individual mistake. And again, this is relevant to Sheffield United. We saw that on Tuesday night against Middlesbrough. Hopefully we'll see it. And this will work in Sheffield United's advantage on, on Saturday. But Duncan Watmore's goal, do you know what? Listen, you could say, well, he could have been stood here. He could have been stood there. The game flows. It moves. It's not played on a tactics board. It's it, it, it's not played on a on an iPad where you're moving around sort of plays to sort of demonstrate some sort of tactics. It's played in real time by real people. Duncan Watmore's opener for Middlesbrough, it was just a damn good finish. And sometimes you just got to hold your hands up and say, do you know what? We've conceded because somebody else has done great. And I do think that was the case uh, on uh, on Tuesday night. You know, if you take some of the analysis now, which I said, I wouldn't change it for the world. I think it's great. And it's done by people who understand this type of thing, you know, in, in far greater detail than I do. But if you take that sort of analysis to its nth degree, every game, and we said this on Tuesday, it would finish nil-nil. You could have Lionel Messi, Pushkas, Cristiano Ronaldo and Johan Cruyff up front and possibly bring Maradona, Maradona on as well and you still wouldn't be able to score. <laughs> well, that's me told anyway. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but let's move on to, uh, to Lise Mousse and, and the striker conundrum. Danny, Slavisa Ikanovic has confirmed he's back fit. If he's ready, should he be thrown straight in? Well, it's almost the you could basically call this bit the least least Moussa conundrum, couldn't you? Because we've even in the short space of time we've been doing these podcasts, we must have had you know, several over. a hell of a lot of debates on this exact exact same exact same subject. I mean, you know, everyone knows what he can offer. You know, on his day, as we've said before, he is a potentially multi-million pound player. The problem is for him, for Sheffield United, for everyone concerned, that his day doesn't come round often enough. Whether that is Form, you know whether that's mentality whether that's fitness whether it's injury issues you know for whatever reason um it's not quite happened as often as as anyone great chef and i would have liked um you know have another comeback on on saturday whether he plays or not 
you know, the question of whether it's sticking in or not is, is you know, irrelevant to us really, because we don't know his, his state of mind. We don't know his fitness levels. You know, is it worth rushing someone back with his kind of recent injury record for a one-off game when you have a two-week international break the week afterwards? Do you look at it and say, we haven't scored an open play now for, for two games, which I know is not a long time. Um, is he worth bringing in? You know, do his, do the kind of risks outweigh the, you know, outweigh the negatives? Uh, you know, that's why Slavisa's has paid a lot of money to make decisions like that, isn't it? Um, and, you know, I'm not. But, yeah, we've, we've had this debate a lot of times, you know. Uh, Lise is obviously a, a very talented player for whatever reason. He's not shown that often enough in a, in a Sheffield United shirt. Um, but, you know, there's still, there's always hope, isn't there, in football? You know, I don't think anyone quite liked a romantic story like football fans do, you know. And if, if he did, if he did come good, which, you know, there's, there's absolutely no reason that he can't. Uh, I think it'd be a brilliant story. It'd be typical for Sheffield United for that to happen just as his contract runs out. I'd say that uh, it would be typical to see him do it elsewhere next season or the season after. That'd be a very Sheffield United thing to happen. Uh, but yeah, you know, this is a debate I think that will rage as long as he is a Sheffield United player because, you know, everyone's seen, going back to those Premier League days, what he can do. You know, that purple patch he had six weeks or so when he was absolutely unplayable uh, and then, you know, combination of injury or loss of form kind of intervened. But we know it's in there. Uh, it's just about Lee's and the people around him, I suppose, trying to trying to get it out of him because, you know, it always makes me laugh when I see fans and talk to fans and they say that his, his signing was a failure. And I always think that, you know, it cost at maximum 10 million quid from Bournemouth. He was top scorer in a team that finished ninth in the Premier League. And then obviously the second season, didn't go as anyone would have wanted at United, but he's already for me repaid that fee in terms of the initial outlay, you know. But that doesn't mean that United are not entitled to more from him going forward. Um, but with all the signings that were made before that Premier League season, you know, I think they've they did the job in terms of establishing United in the Premier League for a season at least. Uh, but then, like I say, um, you know, he's still being paid by Sheffield United, so they'll want a bit of return for that. So whether, whether he'll play or not this weekend, I don't know. But I think just having him available and, and having him in and around the squad for a bit of a different option would not be a bad thing. Because, you know, you forget the last time we saw him in pre-season, he was in pretty good form, wasn't he? You know, he scored three and two. Um, and just his kind of movement and everything. He looked a little bit sharper, a little bit hungrier, for the want of a better word. So we did wonder, didn't we, James? Maybe the pennies finally dropped. Uh, and then, you know, for intervened with injury again. Um so we'll have to see which which side of Lise Moussa comes back, I suppose, whenever he whenever he does pull on that shirt again. It's would, would I personally put Lise Moussa straight back in? No, because I think as well or as disappointing as he was individually against Middlesbrough, I don't think Billy Sharp has done anything over the course of the. But you know what? I've forgotten how many games it was now. That that's that's the old bit of the grumpy old man. Uh, but he's not done anything since the last international break to warrant being rested. So would I start Lise? No. Is this the moment of reckoning for Lise Moussay? Yes, because we can't keep having these conversations. We've had far too many of them already since he came to the football club, as as Danny has said. Do I think what it is? 
that Lise Mousset does on the football pitch that will decide how the rest of his Sheffield United career pans out? No. Do I think it's what Lise Mousset does off the pitch that will decide how the rest of his Sheffield United career and his career, you know, even if he leaves the football club, pans out? Yes, I do. Because I'm not a physiotherapist. I'm not a fitness expert, as anyone who knows me will be able to... uh, to testify, I am beginning to wonder if Lisa's lifestyle away from the pitch, and I'm not making any little comments or having any little, you know, making suggestions about what he what he does there, but I do wonder if his lifestyle away from the pitch possibly contributes to some of the injury issues that he has on it. Uh, I personally think there might be something in that. I know certainly there were people who were part of the previous regime before Slavisa took charge who thought that, may well possibly be the case as well. And you know what, Lise, if you are sat at home watching this, which I desperately hope you are, (laughs) please, please, please make sure this is the moment when you really do realise your potential. You're a really nice kid, and he is. Lise is a, a really polite young man. I don't care what anybody else says. I love a player who spots you across the car park at Bramall Lane or at the training ground when we were allowed to go up there before anyone had heard of COVID and would go out of his way to say hello and have a chat. He's a really, really nice kid. I think his heart's in the right place. I think his head's sometimes in the wrong place. But please do not, when you when you eventually retire from football, do not look back on your career and think, do you know what, what might have been. I think you ought to get yourself in the dressing room before a kickoff on Saturday with a team talks like that, James. I don't, I don't know about that, mate. I, re- I really don't, but yeah. <laughs> well, let's have a listen to what Slavisa Jukanovic said about Lise Mousset in today's press conference. Uh, Lise Mousset started uh, uh, working a few days uh, ago and he's available for uh, for uh, for being the, one of the options for, uh, for, uh, for the game. Yeah, it's always is uh, where somebody is coming for uh, come back from this kind of the of the situation is uh, is uh, great news for us for observing him, working him, him, and in theory uh, uh, have option for use them for the for the next game. We know him uh, from before too. Unfortunately, he cannot finish our first uh, first game against uh, Birmingham now. He came back a few days ago. He's uh, cover his uh, work and. Uh, is he has option for be part of the of the of the team for next uh, next game? Of course, he's his uh, guy with uh, with good movement. Uh, it's uh, it's uh, can be important player for my team, and we will see what we choose uh, like best option for us for uh, for Bournemouth game. Moving on, Slav also discussed the ten games, the first ten games of the season, and how he feels that's gone. I wanted to ask you both, Danny. We'll start with you. Ten games is a good barometer to assess the season so far. What's your verdict? Um, well, if you just take it purely from the results, I mean, ten games, three wins, three draws, four defeats. So it's it's a it's a mixed bag, isn't it? Um, and I'd be tempted if you were going to analyse the ten games to to split it into two. Really, I think it's two distinct sort of seasons in microcosm, isn't it? Before the international break, I think, and afterwards. You know, before it, they were they were pretty. They were pretty hopeless, weren't they? Let's be fair. You know, they didn't look anything like 
the Sheffield United that we know and, and grew to love over the years, you know, the way they went forward, even defensively, they were shaky. They didn't look like they were going to create anything. They looked so low on confidence. Uh, and the international break came, and more importantly, the transfer window came and went. Uh, and I think those kind of little uh, additions that came in, you know, Morgan Gibbs-White's been brilliant. Uh, I'm counting Illiman in that as well. I know it's not a, a new addition, but, you know, a kind of new... Um, you know, a new face in the squad and a new fresh kind of impetus that he gave. No, you're right to do so, Danny, as well. Yeah, uh, you know, Robin Olsen. You know, everyone knows the players who have come in. Uh, and I think they've just given everything a bit of a freshen up. Uh, you know, in football, you're only as good or as bad as, you, as your last game, aren't you, in the eyes of a lot of people, especially at Sheffield United. So, you know, if you asked, you know, the average man on the street today, you know, they'd probably say, oh, everything's a bit doom and gloom based on, based on Tuesday night. But before that, you know... The five games unbeaten before that, you know, there were some damn good performances in there, weren't they? You know, they cut apart Peterborough, you know, they were unlucky, unlucky or negligent at Preston, depending on how you look at it, to not see it out there. You know, they were professional at Hull. And, you know, I, I said, I said, even when they were winning, I said, you know, there's, there's kind of another another gear or two for this this side to go into. And I think they need to as well as the challenges get, you know, thick and fast, you know, as the season goes on. So, yeah, I think if you split the kind of first 10 games in two you know i think it's been a, a first 10 games of two halves you could say to quote another cliche um you know things that were moving in the right direction probably still, still are moving in the right direction you know if you take Hughes's game in isolation uh and i think those those new players you know morgan and illiman in in particular have kind of given the group a bit of a fresh a fresh lift haven't they you know i don't think it's any coincidence that players like fleck and norwood improved when you know Conor Hurahan came in, uh, you know, and the whole team kind of just looked a lot, a lot better. Put it simply, with uh, with fresh faces, which you know is no, is no great surprise. Uh, so yeah, I think the whole, the first ten games has been you know, up and down. But I think if you take the last five in isolation, then it's definitely going the, going the right way. What do you think, James? Yeah, I'd pretty much agree with all of that. I think if, if you were writing a school report for Sheffield United at this stage of the season, you would say that they're a team that has shown a good willingness to learn. A good willingness to learn. Uh, I think I an ability to recover from disappointment and take on new ideas and grasp new concepts. Uh, but I think you would finish it off by saying, and I mean this as a positive, actually, this isn't a criticism. I think you would finish it off by saying, can do better. And I think they will be, I think they can do better. And I think they will be looking to do better after this, uh, after this, well, including this trip to AFC Bournemouth, but also after the international break again. And we, I think, I think that's going to be another key period as well, because, you know, Slavisa Ikanovic is obviously someone who, likes to do a lot of work on the training ground. He likes to get things drilled into his plays. He likes to pay attention to the to the small details. Listen, all managers do that, but I think it's especially true in this one's case. I think proper time, quality time, as it were, uh, without sounding like some sort of American relationship therapist, is something that Sheffield United and Slavisic hadn't haven't had an awful lot of at the moment uh, because of the sort of the congested nature of the championship fixture schedule. But we saw what a difference it made during the last international break when he had 
certainly a week and a half of just being able to concentrate on his team rather than preparing for an opposition. And I think if you uh, if you look at what happened then, and the same thing can happen during this international break as well, which I'm sure it will do, then I think there's plenty to, to, to be looking forward to. Danny, is there a player or an aspect of the first 10 games under Slavisa that, that's impressed you the most? Um, I think going back to the previous question, I think Gibbs White has been a big difference to the whole the whole thing. I just like to watch. I just like the way he goes about things. You know, he just likes to make things happen, doesn't he? And I think every every football fan has a bit of a soft spot for for players who can do that, especially from someone who, you know, when I used to pull on the boots, didn't have that ability. So when you see people who do have that, I think it just lights up and light up the game. You know, just on that moment of. You know, as much as everyone likes, you know, a good defensive performance, we've touched on this before, haven't we, Jim? That you know, it's always the forward players who get the who get the limelight, no matter what happens with the defensive rear guard action. So, I think he's been really impressive so far. Uh, obviously, Billy, you know, everyone knows what Billy does, uh, and you know, still, still, if any, if a chance is going to fall in the box to anyone in a Sheffield United, I, I would want it to be him every time. So, yeah, I've enjoyed. Uh, I think Ben Davis has made a big difference as well. You know, talk about the defensive side of things, he just looks generally steady, and I think he'll get, he'll get better as he's in the week, didn't he? That he is getting better fitness-wise after a bit of a spell on the on the sidelines. So I've enjoyed watching him slot in quite seamlessly. I think he gives a good balance to that back four. Um, but yeah, if if you're going to you know push me for one name, I think Gibbs White's made a a big difference. Uh, I won't be surprised at all if uh, if Wolves are monitoring him. Well, they will be monitoring, won't they? If they're looking at him, maybe for for January, so maybe United fans should uh, make the most of him while they can. James, anyone caught your eye? Yeah, I mean Gibbs White, as Danny said, has been uh, has been excellent. Uh, I think everyone has loved uh, the way that Illiman and Die has gone about his work as well since being given a long overdue opportunity in the in the first team. Listen, again, he's another one who can do better. Get your head up, Illiman, at times. Listen, you've forgotten about more about football than I'll ever know, but just watching from afar, that's one area where, where he can improve. But again, really nice lad, uh, really talented footballer uh, and will get better as the season goes on. I like the way some of the... Uh, the older, longer-serving plays actually have shown uh, a, a little bit of sort of mental durability to get over last season as well in recent weeks. So that that's been a that's been the thing that has impressed me the most, I think, because I think we listen. We all knew like Morgan Gibbs White was a good player. We all knew Illiman and Dyer was a good player. We all knew Ben Davis was a good player. Connor Hurrihan, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But I think the big doubt going into this season about Sheffield United was how some of those players who went through a pretty wretched time of it last year uh, would would respond. And I, I think fair play to the to the longer serving players for uh, for showing that they can they can start, you know, begin changing the narrative around the around the football club. So I think that's something that's really impressed me. What's probably impressed me the most, do you know what? I'm not going to go on about Angola Kante again. I'm going to temporarily revoke my membership of the Defenders' Union. I think the person that's impressed me the most so far this season, though, is Billy Sharp. Because he keeps on getting older. 
But you know what? He keeps on getting better as well, doesn't he? And I tell you what, what an example. Lise Moussay, again, if you're listening, that just goes to show how if you can just get yourself in a position where all you are bothered about and focusing on is, you know, is your football. Because, listen, I think I think Lisa's got the potential to do exactly what Billy's done in the game and possibly at a higher level, actually, on a consistent basis. But I tell you what, Lisa, if you need to see what focus, dedication and commitment can bring, Billy Sharp, that's your man to look at. Well, Lisa Mousset, give us a shout if you are listening. That does bring us to an end for this week. Thanks, as always, for listening. And fingers crossed the Blades can get back to winning ways this weekend.